0: I think personal life moment, knowing when your customer is having a kid or getting married or just got a promotion. And some of those areas just allow you to connect more human to human. And while there may not be an immediate ROI, like the minute after you send them a baby onesie, they're gonna remember that. And then when they come to renew or they come to expand, they're gonna be like, hey, I like working with Chris. I'm gonna miss working with Chris because I've built relationship, I've built rapport with him. And at the end of the day, people buy from people, people renew from people.
1: Hello, my name is Lauren D'Souza and you're listening to Retain, the customer retention podcast. More and more companies are wanting to focus on retaining customers, but what exactly are the powers of customer retention and how are companies using it to keep their customers coming back for more? That's what we're here to find out. It is my pleasure to introduce Chris Rudagrapp as our guest today. Chris is the co-founder and CEO of Sendoso, a company that helps companies engage with customers throughout their buyer's journey. With a focus on trackable, measurable, and scalable strategies, Chris has led Sendoso to provide innovative solutions that enhance marketing ROI and improve customer relationships. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank
0: you. Thank you for having me, Lauren. Excited to be here.
1: Yes, I'm happy that you are here today as well. I was checking out Sendoza and obviously I'll hand it over to you to do the full explanation, but I am really excited because I was actually reading the case study on your work with Gong and the fun pinatas that they had sent to their (laughs) um, customers. So I won't take away too much from you, obviously, but very excited to learn about your experience. Also, you have quite the extensive background leading up to doing Sendoza. So excited to learn more about you, your experience, and your insights. One of the biggest things for us here is getting different insights around retention and understanding exactly what is it because there's so much to break down about it. So everyone's different perspectives are really important. But before we dive right into that, I want to start with learning more about your background and what got you to where you are today.
0: Yeah. So I started Sendoso about seven years ago. And part of that I spent about a decade in software sales myself, mostly in San Francisco. And I really saw firsthand just the evolution of how sales and, and prospecting and outbound sales and really building relationships with prospects. And I think building relationships with prospects is relevant for all types of businesses, whether it's with a prospect or a customer or a partner. i mean, at the end of the day, you know, people buy from people, people renew with from people. And it really that relationship that keeps businesses going forward. And I found that sending out a gazillion emails was feeling spammy and felt like it was, you know, too easy to send emails. Everyone was doing it. And so I started write handwritten notes to prospects and customers. I started you know, going into our swag closet, grabbing swag and mailing it out, or I'd be on a call and hear a dog bark and follow up with a dog toy. And all these really personal kind of relationship building activities were wonderful, worked well, but super manual, super time intensive, hard to track, hard to expense report. And so I wish there was a platform that allowed me to like click a button, select from a curated list of things, tracked it in my CRM and voila, you know, magically the recipient, you know, started smiling. I was happy to receive it. And then, then that's where Sedosa was born.
1: That's really cool. And I guess it's so true. I feel like in the day and age when you're doing sales outreach and you're trying to connect with people, it becomes almost robotic because of all the things that we can do to actually automate that. And yeah. so finding a non-automate or a automate the process, but maybe not the actual outcome is yeah, a really interesting be- way to go about stuff. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. And what would you say sets your company apart from other similar platforms? I know there are a couple... I wouldn't call them gifting, I guess. Sending platform, I really like that term, but what do you (laughs) think sets your company apart from the other platforms?
0: Yeah, so we really manage everything end-to-end. So we have global fulfillment centers, a curated network of suppliers. So we can really be the fastest, whether that's the fastest. SLA is the fastest to get set up. So speed is really in our DNA and that's important to us. We really have the largest breadth of marketplace options too, whether you're trying to send macaroon in France or you know, someone coffee gift card in Seattle, we really have, you know, just a myriad of different options. And then I think the last one is just the data we sit on. And we really pride ourselves on being kind of a data company behind the scenes, offering up suggestions on what's the right thing to send to the right person at the right time, what's the right message, and really thinking about it from a data first perspective.
1: Okay. Very true. And I guess, yeah, you don't want to be sending gifts that aren't really resonating with the person that you're sending and it's kind of losing the quality of that. Mm-hmm. Is there a favorite gift that you like to send or one of your top two that you like to send?
0: Yeah, I'd say, you know, some of the top ones that customers send are socks and Yeti mugs and now Stanley mugs. But two of the my favorite ones that me and my team have sent, one was, you know, remember these like red and blue glasses that you can kind of like decode. They're like decoder glasses. We did yeah. a fun send where we sent the glasses and then there's like this decode message. People really love the interactivity of That's being like, all sense. right, well, I kind of want to know what this says. Let me like look at it. And then another one kind of more funny and creative, but we were at a conference and one of our target account, one of the VPs was stopped by on crutches and had broken his rib in a snowmobiling accident. And so we followed up and sent him a rack of ribs in the mail. my and gosh. A funny joke, you know. And so he enjoyed it, thought it was funny. I mean, there were awesome ribs from this barbecue place that we worked with. so funny. I thought it was, you know, it's creative, it's unique, it's memorable. And at the end of the day, it, you know, it, it helps people feel more like human, so...
1: Yeah, I love that. That's a great example. <laughs> but also goes to show the fact of that's a unique personalizing that you can send yes. them. It really sparks a conversation. And also it's less salesy saying, yeah. hey, I sent you this. What do you think of the business? What do you think of the product? You're going to buy it today. But yeah. rather it's actually just sparking a nice conversation saying, hey, this is actually a human to human interaction at the end of it.
0: I say a lot of time, you know, you're really just trying to grab a person's attention again, whether that's in sales or even, you know, a busy customer that you're hard to get a meeting with or that, you know, you're really working to try to expand and retain them. And how do you grab their attention again? And sometimes sending an email isn't the best way to grab their attention, but sometimes it is. But if you're using all the different techniques and you know, sending a, a creative gift being one of them, it's just another great opportunity to grab attention.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it's hard in these days when there's so much competing stuff coming happening at you, whether it's messaging or it's all these different apps and all these different platforms. So very interesting. And I think something to really think about is we try and come up with these unique creative ways around grabbing attention. But that also ties into retention, because the fact is we talk so much about the fact that with retention, it's not just, okay the person buys the product or the service in outdone it's so much more after that. And so I want to pick your brain about this and understand from your perspective with all your experience about how you find this playing an important role to retention and how that might be tying into account-based marketing or full funnel marketing and how that's critical to retention. So I guess grabbing the attention and how do you shift that towards the focus of retention instead of just the acquisition?
0: Yeah. You hit on a great word, which, you know, I think there's Have been a lot of buzz around ABM, account-based marketing over the past, you know, handful of years. And I think one of the things that I've seen teams fall short with is really thinking about ABM as like a top-of-funnel demand gen strategy. And you really you put all the effort into saying, okay, let's find our named accounts, let's orchestrate the teams together to go after those named accounts. Let's put all of our Marketing dollars into creative campaigns to target these named accounts. Let's close them, and then let's go back to more target accounts. But yeah. instead, it's really like, well, why aren't you already have you know a named account list, aka your customer list? Why don't you focus more of your effort on doing you know account based marketing tactics to your customers and to drive retention? And I think one of the ways I've seen it work really well. One of the things we do is. We really think about it as kind of full funnel marketing. And for that purpose, we end up trying to say, hey, how do we drive adoption? How do we drive usage? How do we drive advocacy? And at the end of the day, if you're really focused on those things, you can end up driving expansion, which at the end of the day is going to drive more retention and revenue. And so we've, instead of some people thinking, hey, let's just do ABM to our customers, let's just try to sell them, sell them, sell them. It's more like, how do we just drive more usage, drive more engagement? And at the end of the day, that leads to that retention and expansion that you want.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so how would you, so let's say you were giving advice to someone who was thinking about the idea of account-based marketing, because I actually haven't heard that term myself before, and maybe it's starting to grow in popularity. But I'm sure when someone's hearing this right now, they're probably thinking to themselves, okay, that's a great point. How do I go and put that into practice? So what would be your piece of advice to someone thinking about how to implement more of account-based marketing or this full funnel marketing that you mentioned in their processes so they drive usage and engagement rather than just focusing on how do we get that upsell or that upgrade or that thing? Because that I'm sure will be the intended outcome after the driven usage and engagement.
0: Yeah. I think a couple of key takeaways. One is to really just think about the funnel not stopping at... the closed one. And I think that opens up a lot of opportunity to say, hey, marketing team, some of these amazing marketing campaigns you're doing to drive top of funnel, like, why don't we do more of those to our customers and really think about that? And so one, I think that's just kind of a mind shift. Two, there's a lot of tools out there that are helping with account-based marketing. And so there's a plethora of software that, you know, Google account-based marketing, you'll find a lot of different tools, which can help you get going. And I think that's important. And then ultimately at the end of the day, I think it's, you know, a lot of account-based marketing is coming up with creative campaigns, targeted lists. And so I think it, you know, leveraging tools like Sendosa can be a great step into doing that.
1: Okay, awesome. I really like that. And even I guess the whole concept of your platform being around gifting and yeah. I guess gifting might be the wrong word. I really I'm going to go back to the whole idea of sending because I like that you market <laughs> it that way. Very cool. <laughs> because I guess it's not really a gift, but it's a form of communication of some yes, sense, of what I understand. Mm-hmm. But how do you think that companies can utilize these sending or these gifting strategies in their customer experience initiatives? So I'll give you a bit of context around that. Yeah, in the terms of customer experience, we always talk about how are you always surprising and delighting, how are you bringing that really nice feeling so it's not just shoving down the upsell down people's throats but rather giving them a really good experience. Yeah. So, how can companies utilize these kind of strategies for these experience initiatives?
0: Totally. So I think some of the things that come to mind, like, you know, a customer welcome kit, welcoming them as a new customer. And a lot of times you can create printed collateral that you might already have used on a knowledge base article or in your help desk, but creating it in like a nice printable like magazine that they can start to look through. And I think that can drive some engagement early on in the onboarding cycle, which, you know, and some people are inundated with, you know, going using their computer, you know, eight hours a day, but looking at a nice how-to guide printed on their desk might draw them in differently. And I think there's also kind of milestones, whether it's like implementation graduation gift, you know, congratulating them on, you know, that handoff from graduation into being a customer with a CSM or account manager. I think there's incentivized product moments like, hey, add a hundred users and you'll unlock the XYZ gap, So you can create some rewards there. I think personal life moments, you know, knowing when your customer... Is having a kid or getting married or just got a promotion. And some of those areas just allow you to connect more human to human. And while there may not be an immediate ROI like the minute after you send them a baby onesie, they're going to remember that. And then when they come to renew or they come to expand, they're going to be like, hey, I like working with Chris. He's, you know, I don't want to just go out there and look for some other software just to look for it or some other product that's competing. I'm going to miss working with Chris because I built relationship, I built rapport with him. And so, I think it's harder for people to churn off of, you know, a product or a service or, you know, some software, if you really like the people behind that. And at the end of the day, people buy from people, people renew from people. So I think that's critical. I think there's, you know, cabs or thank you gifts around case studies or user conferences um, is a great part of the customer journey. And then I think the obvious one, just little holidays. And it doesn't have to just be like the Christmas holiday, which is the obvious one, like maybe celebrating different, there's, you know, every day there's like a national coffee day, there's a national, you know, ice cream day and have fun with your customers and, and send them all ice cream for national ice cream day. And, you know, like you said, surprise and delight and get people smiling.
1: Yeah, I really like that. And I think what brings me so much joy about this, honestly, is that so many people these days are talking about driving revenue and driving sales, but no one's really talking about, honestly, human interactions that can help. Yeah. And I think it's so important because I think it's a lost art in this day right now. When we're talking about AI and the rise of this and the rise of that and all that. stuff, So I really love how wholehearted this is because it does bring the good outcomes, I'm sure. And I'm sure you've seen that with your customers, obviously, having those really cool outcomes. So I'm also curious to know what's one of your favorite examples of one of your customers, which obviously you don't have to name them if you're not comfortable, but maybe just an outcome that you've seen with one of your customers that was just like a wow moment that you felt.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the benefits is we've seen tens of thousands of different campaigns with millions of things sent. I mean, I think some of the ones that, you know, that are the ones that p- produce the best. I think the gong pinatas one is great because who doesn't want to get a pinata? So I think that one, you know, immediately comes to mind. But yeah, for those curious too, we actually have like thousands of examples if, if you go to Sindoso.com slash customer dash examples. Maybe worth including the show notes. Cause I think for some people the possibilities are endless. And the inspiration to think about what you could send to a customer as part of the journey might come to you by looking at other examples. So we've got a nice little visual catalog of all these different customer examples, which are really cool to look through.
1: Really cool also, because it almost creates that sense of community of having different ideas from different companies because it can always yeah. give you an idea for yours. But exactly. even as you're speaking, I'm thinking of all the different ideas of what I could send to my clients because the fact is I really like working with them. I like having that relationship with the clients because you get to know them over all these calls when you're doing strategy for whatever it is your business is. And I know that with Gameball, I really get to know my clients because we're talking about their business. It's something that matters directly to them and it's rewarding their customers who matter a lot to them. So it's cool. very much like building that relationship so there's so many ideas floating around in my head. (laughs) I love that. Awesome. Well, I'd also like to dive a little bit more into this whole idea of the... So we talked about retention a little bit, and you gave some awesome strategies, some awesome ideas on how to actually go about doing so. What do you think is the importance of building a category around long-term customer retention?
0: Yeah. So I think building a category can help in a lot of different ways. One is really kind of in the mind of the buyer sets it up as this: like, this is part of the tech stack that needs to be there forever. So I think that one is it just provides longevity. I think to that point though, building a category is tough. And so I think there's a lot of effort into going to, you know, being speaking out on podcasts about the category, you know, or going to speaker events, writing blogs, naming the category. I mean, You've got to think about how you name the category, you know, building out a community. I think we've got a super centered community, you know, raving fans. And I think that helps with the category creation and category evangelism over time. Uh, I think there's also interesting assets you can create like a buyer's guide or a maturity model that will help, uh, you know, bucket your customers into different phases of how they're best able to use their software or your service. And so... At the end of the day, though, I think a category just provides longevity and mental mindshare. When companies are looking at, you know, when someone switches and goes to a new company, they need to remember, hey, what's that, you know, category? What's that name of that kind of software that I want to buy or that service that I want to buy? And it's important because otherwise you're just lost in the sea of many other, you know, nice to haves.
1: Yeah. And I guess I'm curious in a little bit more. So you mentioned just now about the idea of putting your customers into buckets in this category. So retention is not just all your customers in the retention bucket, because you'd obviously be serving someone who's been a customer for about, let's say three months differently than someone who's been with you for, let's say three years. Yeah. So how would you advise companies to go about separating those buckets and trying to find the difference or I guess grouping them? How would you go about that?
0: Yeah, so what we really did is we went through an exercise on like the complexities, of like, what is the best, best scenario? If you've used us for five years and you know everything there is to know you and you could use every part of our platform and do everything, what would that be? And then what would be like if you had, you know, one hour to use us and you were brand new, what would you do? And like, what, and then what goes in between? And so it was really a breakdown of, You know, different integrations you could use, different functionality you could use, different types of programs you could do, whether it's fully automated versus click. whether it's And so we laid out this huge matrix and then took that and kind of bucketed into an easier to consume type of maturity model and then share that with their customers on kind of EBRs or QBRs and really say, hey, this is where we think you are right now. You tell us, are you going to try to, you know, get more sophisticated with how you use us? Are you going to get other teams involved? Which also helps from like a retention or expansion perspective, because you might be able to say, hey, customers that are just getting going are usually only using us for, you know, the sales team. But our most sophisticated customers are using, you know, sales, customer marketing, field marketing. And so you kind of plant the seed where they're like, well, I want to be like your best customer. So I want to be doing what they're doing and I want to be more sophisticated. And so then they're like, well, I need to expand it up south. And so it's kind of a unique way to paint the picture of what else that they could be using you for, but in a model that makes them feel like they have an evolution and a path to grow with you.
1: Yeah. I like that a lot because it's a genuine organic growth in your customer yes. base. Yeah. And it's actually finding a reason why it's going to work for them to expand outward like that. So I definitely see why that makes sense and how you would go about doing that. And, and it works also-
0: really well for me when I'm, I oftentimes go on like a CEO roadshow where I meet a bunch of customers. <laughs> and so I'll bring this up as part of that. And really just being able to level set with the customer on how they're using us and what their maturity and what their goals too. They might want to become way more sophisticated or they might be happy with where they're at. I and mean, it just gives you a good talk track.
1: Yeah, no, that's actually really great because then you're actually asking genuine questions. You're not just shooting it out there saying, I'm the CEO of the company. I'm trying to find out if you like us or not, but you're finding out some real genuine insights. Yes. And actually, to your point, what do you think is the best way that a CEO can play a role in customer retention? It might be a little bit confusing for some people to know because I feel as, yeah. as if when companies start to build and grow, obviously, I'm sure you've experienced this building on different teams and you have your sales team, marketing, success, etc., But to me, it seems quite important that a CEO be focused on the role in driving customer retention. So what role do you think they play in that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll talk on my own experience and what some of the things I'm doing, which I think are working really well. So I mentioned the CEO customer roadshow. I think it's really important. Shows you know, back to our customer success and account management teams that I really care about our customers. That I'm going to go talk to them that I'm going to go and understand their needs and what else we could do to support them. Um, and our product team also loves it too, because I'm getting product ideas and product feedback as well. So overall, I think it's critical for CEOs to have these roadshows and go meet with, you know, for me, it's hundreds of customers a year. And, you know, some of them I do in person, some virtually, and it's just a great way for me to have, you know, a conversation with customers. I think you never know what you're going to hear. And, you know, if you're not doing it, you're losing out on Potentially good ideas or good feedback. Outside of that, I think I use my executive connections through advisors, investors, and just my wide network to help with kind of some land and expand and exec level conversations into our customers. So I'm oftentimes looking at our customer base and seeing where can I help with introductions, which I think is helpful for CEOs that are well connected. And then lastly, I think for me, what I do is thought leadership. I think it's helpful to go out there and speak at conferences, to write blog posts, to and then those types of content can get clipped up into little snippets. Even this podcast we on, we can, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll probably uh, have my marketing clip this up and then maybe have this shared with some of our CSMs that can drop in a link or a snippet to saying, Hey, you know, chief customer officer at one of our companies, like hear how Chris thinks about retention. Maybe this is interesting to you. And it goes back to the thought leadership piece helps build your name and helps build the category helps build the community but overall it's a great way for the CEO to you know take a lot of the knowledge that they've learned over the years and distill that back to customers
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that, because what I really admire about your process with this is how much you care about the customers. So not just the fact of, okay, someone can use Sendosa whatever, they're good, but rather you genuinely care about their outcomes and making sure that they're coming up with new ideas and they're continuing to surprise their Mm -hmm. customers and things like that. So I think that goes a long way. And you're so right. Thought leadership is actually quite a long term investment, in my opinion, because it doesn't happen overnight. But when you start to build up that momentum and the idea that people literally equate the word sending or gifting to yeah. Chris, then you've got the right thing going there, especially exactly. because even what I noticed was when I was going through Sendoso and just learning about the company before our call today was sending platform is the first thing that came to mind because I started seeing all these things on your marketing and the way that you communicate it. So it just easily came to mind, which is not a term I would have known before yeah. researching Sendoso. I definitely agree with that. And I think it's a really good guiding light to provide to other people because everyone will go about their business differently. But having something like Sendoso So or these different ways to utilize the full funnel marketing or things like that in their work will really help them think about these different unique strategies for that human interaction versus let's just increase sales by X percent this year, for example. So I definitely appreciate all those insights that you shared today.
0: Of course. Yeah, no, you said it right.
1: Awesome. Well, I have one final question and then. We're going to go into lightning round. It's actually my favorite for the entire (laughs) show. Lightning round is a lot of fun because it basically is my time to ask fun questions. And you have to answer as quick as possible. But before we get to lightning round, I was curious to know, since you're in this space, I'm sure you see a lot of different companies doing a lot of different things. And I'm curious if you as a customer or a consumer have had an incredible experience where you've been sent something or you've had a really nice customer experience from the customer point of view.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I think the personalized gifts are some of the best. And so I was on a webinar or podcast that I mentioned that my favorite tequila was Casamigos tequila and somebody listened in, got that and like a week later sent me some tequila to my house with a nice note. So I was like, of course I'm going to reply and they had kind of a nice little message that resonated with me in terms of why they sent it and then why their service, you know, was that I should take a look at. So I think it goes back to, again, just, you know, listening to, you know, podcasts and webinars with prospects on them could be a great way to find out something unique and personal and then use that in your personal outreach.
1: Yeah, I really like that. Wow. Actually, it seems even more fun than just the typical cold outreach. Right. It seems like a way to go. Buying tequila for possible customers. <laughs> Great approach. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So with that, we'll reach our lightning round. And so basically I have three quick questions for you. Just answer them as fast as you can possibly think of an answer and we'll take it from there. Let's so it. first question which would you rather market? iPhone or Android?
0: iPhone, definitely iPhone. Why is that? I just like the iPhone. I think there's probably more flexibility with the Android given that there it has like a wider base of users that you can you know hack the Androids and all you know there's all these different use cases. but I mean the iPhone at the end of the day I think has this prestige to it. so
1: yes, I definitely agree. Actually, I think every single person that we talk about iPhone or Android or just something about iPhone, I always say my favorite feature of all time is the fact that when you get sent a verification code, it pops up in your auto. I, know. I don't know who came up with that, but yeah, man, I don't know. <laughs> that person I is a that. genius. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. The next one's a bit of a fun one. So what is the worst marketing idea you've ever had?
0: Oh, right. The worst one. So probably like, Four years ago, I was really, I had this idea where I wanted to do tailgating in an RV across the country, called it B2B tailgating. And I thought it was like an amazing idea just to go to sports games and get the Sendoso brand out there. It would be a big marketing campaign. I think I put my marketing team on like one month project, trying to figure it out, get the pricing, get all of that. And then it was just way too much. And we ended up doing like a super, super mini version just here in San Francisco. But I think it was a bad idea because I wasted like a month of their time going down. The <laughs> it sounded cool, you, but you had to try it. Not, I,
1: I wish that worked out honestly. <laughs> <not great. laughs> All right. And last but not least, with Apple's new VR headset. Do you see virtual reality being used as a new way to advertise and market?
0: For sure. I think so. I think especially with Meta pushing AR VR and you know, I think in the future, I think it'll be an interesting advertising platform and maybe a cool way to do send some gifts too, virtually.
1: Yeah. I feel like you could open up a whole new world of possibilities with that. I um, love <laughs> it. Awesome. All right. And so just to kind of close out, we always like to provide a piece of advice or something like that that you'd like to share. So, is there a piece of life or marketing advice that someone shared with you once that has always stayed with you?
0: I think it's maybe just general advice, but one of the things a mentor way back in the day told me is, it's not what you know, but who you know. And it was kind of a short quote, but it really inspired me to just continue to network as much as I could, as often as I could, because you never know who can help unlock that next door for you. And so, yeah, it was kind of short and sweet, but it's not what you know, but who you know.
1: No, I really like that. It's actually something I really thought about when I was starting a business a while back and I was trying to find a co-founder and it was actually during COVID. So it was a whole mess. People did not want to take the risk of starting a business at that time. And it was so true of the fact that not what you know, because I can have all the expertise in the world, but finding a co-founder, I needed to have those connections to actually find the right person. And it took so many conversations to get to that person to make sure they were the right choice, but it was literally all about who you know at that point. So it gave me a great exercise on the fact that network is really everything. So I definitely agree with you there. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the episode today, Chris. It was awesome to have you. And I know myself and I'm sure many people listening to the episode will head over to Sendoso and figure out the next fun gift that they're going to be sending. But thank you so much. And I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me, Lauren. See you later.
1: Awesome. Have a good one. Retain, the customer retention podcast is brought to you by Gameball. If you want to turn casual buyers into loyal lifetime customers, make sure to check out the episode description to book a demo with GameBall today. Also, make sure to subscribe to retain the customer retention podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and you never miss an episode. Thanks for joining me. See you next time.